this evening. So glad to have Forrest McCann joining me this evening. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, the idea has been to try and kind of show what some of the things that happen here at Oldham Lane, kind of behind the scenes, especially with some of our ministries, uh, also to get to know our ministers a little better. So we've talked about our, our education program. We've talked about uh, involvement with Jake Sledge. We talked about youth ministry a couple of weeks ago with Blake. And uh, so tonight we're talking about preaching. And I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, I, I guess I could get somebody to interview me and since I'm the preacher. And then I thought, but I don't know anything about preaching. Uh, I preach, but that doesn't mean I know anything. And so it's probably good to get somebody who does know something about it. And this man knows a lot about preaching, knows a lot about a lot of things, forgotten more than I've ever known. And uh, when I first came to Oldham Lane, Forrest and I were talking about this the other day, when I first came here, I was intimidated because there were at least 10 retired preachers that were in the congregation here. And all the preachers that were retired that I knew before, and there weren't many, were some of the most critical people I've ever known. And uh, I came here and realized that's not the case. The, the, the preachers here, especially Jimmy Jivenin, was so supportive. And so Bob Connell and all those guys were so supportive of me, and you've certainly been uh, such a good mentor to me as well. And so I wanted other people to hear you. Not only that, the young adult class where you taught uh, a quarter in there uh, said, we need to hear Forrest McCann more. So uh, good to have you with us tonight. For If you would, uh, before we get started, let me remind our folks that next week we have the two services, Family Center and in here. Also, um, I had you guys sign up if you wanted to help set up chairs for the service in the Family Center. We had a lot of people sign up, but I didn't. I was gone last week and didn't get that in the bulletin. So somebody will get an email this week asking if you would help us to set up chairs. So get that out of the way. Um, I want to talk to you, Forrest, about preaching. And I know you are a preacher for many years, taught at ACU for over 20 years. Over 30 years, really, almost, right? So, yeah, 28 years at ACU, taught in the English department, right? Um, and, and then always preach, though, on the weekends somewhere at a country church. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about, because you didn't grow up in the church, like me, you didn't grow up in the church. But uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and kind of what you did uh, in ministry. Well, I grew up in a, a divided family. Is that loud enough? Everybody can hear that? No? Turn it up a little bit? Okay. My, uh, my family was religious, but uh, they weren't together. My ancestors came from England and Ireland and France, and my mother's people came to the Virginia colony in 1635. And they were Anglicans. My father's people came from Ireland, and they were Presbyterians. <laughs> but along the way, many of my mother's people became Baptists. My father's people became Baptists. And then finally, we learned about the Restoration Movement. And we belonged to the Christian Church and the Church of Christ. And I've never belonged to any church except the Church of Christ. And I'm happy to say that. My father was a Baptist, but he wouldn't go to church. Mm -hmm. I never saw him in a church building but three times in my whole life. But my mother was a faithful Christian. 
And she had gone to Abilene Christian College for a year or two. In those days, if you went to a college, you had one year you could get a teaching certificate. So she did. <laughs> but she would read to my brother and me. A poet said, you may have tangible wealth untold, caskets of jewels and coffers of gold. Richer than I, you never can be. I had a mother who read to me. And she read my brother and me from the Bible, from Lamb's Tales from Shakespeare, and from Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> I remember those three books, you know. But we didn't go to church much. And I didn't own a Bible until I was almost 14 years old. Never read the Bible. Sometimes we went to church if my father would take us into town, but he didn't do that very often. So we didn't go much. And James, I didn't learn what these kids over here learned. I did learn that the first book in the New Testament was Matthew. I couldn't remember how to start, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so they got me a rabbit and named it Matthew. <laughs> and once I could start, <laughs> I did pretty good after that, you know. But anyway, we lived on a farm. The war came along, Second World War. We moved to San Antonio. My parents leased out the farm we lived on, and they went to work for the Army Air Corps the Air Force today, you know. Still, we didn't, go, we didn't go to church much, you know. My father died during the war. And uh, in 1946, we moved to Florida. They had started a little school outside of Tampa in Temple Terrace called Florida Christian College. I'd never seen so many religious people. <laughs> We went to chapel every day. We prayed every day. We studied Bible in school, just like I'd studied history or English or math, you know. It was amazing. And God caught hold of me. I went to public school in Texas through the 10th grade. And in the 10th grade, I got as close to the military as I ever wanted to be. I was in ROTC. <laughs> I was a buck sergeant, <laughs> and I thought, well, I'd just be a professional soldier until I moved to Florida, and then I decided to be a soldier for Christ, and I've tried to be one ever since. I'm so grateful for James and Robert and these little kids over here, you know. We're happy to be here at Oldham Lane. We're happy to have the elders help us look out for our souls and the church staff like Chris and all the others that are on the staff. So anyway, I got started. You, it, now, Forrest, tell you preached your first sermon at what age? I was 14 years old. 14 years old. Yeah. And I asked you this the other day, but I want you to give the response so the people can hear. How did you do? <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> I, uh, I had a tract written by Brother W.A. Bradfield, who was a professor at Florida Hardeman College. Uh -huh. 
was called the way to heaven. And I decided, well, I'll just preach Brother Bradfield's tract. This was in Lampasas, Texas. I'd come home from the, for the summer from Florida. And uh, one of my mother's friends in Lampasas, I told him, I'm going to be a preacher. So he lined me up for two services <laughs> in Lampasas. <laughs> I preached the way to heaven. And after a while, I began to realize we've been here too long. <laughs> and I did better Sunday night than I'd, okay. <laughs> I did Sunday morning. <laughs> but when I got back to Florida and I was a senior in high school then, one of my professors was Conrad Hayes. Brother Hayes was from Clyde, Texas. Several of our professors, as my mother, were from Clyde, Texas. And so Brother Hayes had been going out to a little church called Cork. Somebody said it was near the end of the line. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my other professors, a, a Spanish teacher, he rode me so far on Sunday morning and then somebody picked me up in a Model T Ford and took me the rest of the way. And I started preaching. By then, I'm almost 16. You know. You were a seasoned I, veteran then. Seasoned yeah. veteran. I, I'd studied the Bible one whole year. My grandfather had given me a Bible. He was a Baptist deacon in Adamsville, Texas. Good man. And I read that Bible all the way through, which I think, young folks, if you want to get involved in teaching God's Word, read it all the way through. You know. Well, I did. I've got a picture of me sitting on a bench at Florida Christian College with that Bible that my grandfather gave me beside me on the bench. Anyway, the brethren were very indulgent. <laughs> at Cork, and uh, I preached for them all the time. I was at Florida Christian, two years, one year of high school, my senior year, and two years of college. And they put up with me all the time, you know, and made me feel like I did pretty well, you know. They kept feeding me on Sunday, <laughs> anyway. But then I went to the University of Florida. My wife, Clara, went to the University of Florida. And I began to preach at Ocala, Florida on Sundays, you know. But in the interim, that, that interim, I became acquainted with a brethren at Plant City, Florida. And the preacher there, good friend of mine, whenever we had a baptism, we didn't have a baptistry at Cork. We had to take them into Plant City to baptize them, you know, the people. And so I met Brother Virgil Bradford, and he thought I could do fairly well. So he made a radio preacher out of me. Um, I preached on WPLA in Plant City. One of our elders owned the station. I, I think that helped, too. <laughs> that probably helped. <laughs> anyway, that went on until I began to preach at Plant City full-time when my, I was a senior in college. Claire and I got married, went to Plant City, and then various other places over the years. 
The brethren have been kind to me in every place. We went to Cedar Key, Florida, an island off the west coast of Florida. Preached there for a couple of years. Went to Tennessee, south of Nashville. Preached there for two or three years. And then went back to Florida again. I preached for the old 14th Street Church in Florida for eight years. And I think that's where, I, I, Chris, I came to have my philosophy of preaching. And, and what would you say that philosophy is? Okay. I, mean, what, I mean, if you were to sum it up, you know, what, what would you say is the philosophy of preaching in your mind? I think it's what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, preach the word. <laughs> yeah. Be urgent in season, out of season, you know. I think that's, that's the basic philosophy. When Paul talked to the elders of the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he said, among other things, that I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And during those eight years that Claire and I were at Gainesville at 14th Street, in one way or another, I read every word of the Bible to the congregation wow. and preached on it, you know. I think at least they heard the whole counsel of God, right. whether everything I said was just right or not, you know, <laughs> but the whole counsel of God. So I think that's, yeah. that's my philosophy, Chris. Over the years, my, my philosophy or my goal of preaching has changed. I used to think that when you when you preached, the the idea was you did this research paper all week and then you delivered it on Sunday. And you know, of course, that's a very naive way of looking at it, a very immature way of looking at it. Now I see that the idea is not to give information. The idea is to hopefully incite transformation. Would you say the goal of preaching is kind of to answer that question of so what? I mean, and, yes. And, yeah, I kind of said before that you know what, kind of as a preacher, you're 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 in the business of climate control. You know, you're trying to set an atmosphere for growth to happen. I can't make you grow, yeah. but you try to set an atmosphere for growth to happen. What, what would you say to that? Is that? Yeah, I think that's right, Chris. <laughs> Brother Alexander Campbell started a paper called The Christian Baptist mm -hmm. in 1823. And he talked about these preachers that he knew round and about who bought their sermons Really? Somebody somewhere else <laughs> devised the sermon, and then they would buy these sermons, and they'd get up there and read them on Sunday, you know. <laughs> they, they were real orators, you know, <laughs> like that. Alexander Campbell, and I, I'm not trying to be smart, but he called it their hebdomadal lucubrations. <laughs> that means what you do every seven days. <laughs> <laughs> You read this stuff that you bought from somebody, you know. And he commented that when his father preached, he never saw him with a bunch of books. He said he had his Bible and his concordance, you know. And so it was preach the word. Yeah. Preach the word. And you, you try to move, move people to do the right thing. Chris' sermon this morning, I appreciated it so much, you know. 
It had an appeal to us. The English Puritan preacher William Baxter said, I preach as if I ne'er should preach again, and as a dying man to dying men. And I think that's the way we ought to look at it. You know, That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Preach as dying yeah. man a, to a, dying men. As yeah. a dying man to dying men. So that if, if you never had a chance to preach again, what would you tell people? You know. Well, you'd do as much of the whole counsel of God as you could, but you'd preach the gospel to them, the glad tidings. No, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture, that he was seen. That is, there were witnesses. It wasn't something done in a corner somewhere. No. So I think that's what we, that's what we do, Chris. What, what would you say, people ask me this question all the time, what's the hardest part about being a preacher or what's the, the biggest struggle? And I always say the biggest struggle with being a preacher is it's, it, it's like in coaching. When I, it, it's the same. When I was in coaching, you would see these young men, you'd say, man, if, they would, if, they'll, if they'll pay attention, if, they'll, if they know how good they can be, they, there's, there's so much potential there. You know? And I think the biggest struggle is seeing, seeing a young man that you were coaching not reach his full potential. And I think as a preacher, I would tell people that's the biggest you know, let down, I guess, uh, as a preacher, is seeing people who have so much potential, but they just refuse to reach it, or they just don't, they don't put the effort forth. What would you say is the biggest struggle? Or, or maybe the biggest, if there is a negative, what would be the negative of preaching, you know, or the, the pitfall of the job? Well, here's what Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 15, verse 14. He said, I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, yet ye yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able also to admonish one another. That, that's the goal of what we're trying to do, especially in located work in a congregation. We're really, in a sense, trying to preach ourselves out of a job <laughs> because if the people in the pew have those qualities, if they're able to admonish one another, well, they need me for, you know? Well, they need us for. So preach yourself out of a job. Preach yourself out of a job. <laughs> well, I've, done, like that I've done that in a few places, too. <laughs> <laughs> You've been successful at that. <laughs> yeah. not, not because they actually could do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that could happen. So here's the, here's the reverse of that. I tell people if I could, if I lived a thousand lives, I'd want to be a preacher in every single one of them. Yeah. What's the best part about being a preacher? Oh, it, it's just getting to preach, Chris. Not because you know everything, because I certainly don't. No. And the longer you live, the more you find out you don't know everything. In fact, you find out you just don't know enough sometimes, you know. It's one thing to get up and make a speech. I never have had any trouble making a speech. <laughs> I remember when I was in elementary school, 
my mother sent me to some lady who taught expression. Some of you older people may know about that. You went to expression class, you know, and, and you, you memorized set pieces and you got up, delivered it, you know. But uh, it's not just making a speech. Let me, let me read you one other passage. When I was a, uh, I gotta keep this up here. When I was a, a young person at Florida Christian College, I found out that there were scriptures in the Bible that talked to young people, you know. And when you're 16 years old, you know, you're just dumb as dirt. <laughs> now, you don't think you are, but you are. And I read the book of Psalms. And Psalm 119, verse 9, says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to God's word. You know? So that made pretty good sense to me. And then I read from 1 Timothy. And here's what Paul told Timothy. I think if you're a young person especially, and you, you would like to, to be a teacher, a preacher, you know, an emissary for Christ, you ought to take heed to this. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 13 and following, till I come, till I come, give heed to reading, to exhortation, to teaching. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, and this doesn't apply to me or any of us, given me by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Be diligent in these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy progress may be manifest unto all. Take heed to thyself and to thy teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this, thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. I like it. Very good. I, I want to close with this. Um, we have a lot of young men here who attend our preacher training camp, and uh, a lot of our young people who have even left and gone on to college have, have said they want to pursue a career in ministry. What advice would you give to young preachers? I mean, you were 14 when you started out. I'm sure you've learned a lot over the years. Uh, what advice would you give young preachers? Into the word and get into the word and stay there. No. No matter what else you know, and it's good to know a lot of things, you know. I, I taught 28 years at Abilene Christian, and I taught English. They let me teach Bible one summer. <laughs> All the real Bible teachers, you know, went abroad or something. <laughs> they let me teach the Gospels, you know. But get into the Word and stay there. Now learn everything you can about everything you can. No, that's good. It'll help you. Learn about history. No. Help you. But stay with the Word. Never go beyond the Word. Don't go beyond the things that are written. This is 
part of the problem that we have today. We have too many who are going beyond the things that are written. No, I, I don't have time to read this, but I don't know whether you read yesterday's report or news or not, but they, they had about all these wonderful events that's supposed to have taken place here in Abilene. No. And they, they tell about some of our congregations here in Abilene that I verily believe have gone the, beyond the things that are written. No. I'm sorry for that. That's one reason we're here with you under your elders, listening to Chris and Jake and these other boys and the whole staff every Sunday, you know, because we don't want to go beyond the things that are written. But learn all you can. But the primary thing is preach the word. Preach the word. And if you do that, if you do that, let me just read two more scriptures, Chris. Okay. And then I'll, I'll hush. <laughs> here's, what the psalmist, here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 69. He says in verse 5 and following, O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them that wait for thee be put to shame through me, O Lord Jehovah of hosts. Let not those that seek thee be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. And then in Psalm 31, the psalmist said, not in this psalm, another one, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. But here is what the psalmist said in Psalm 71. He says in verse 5, For thou art my hope, O Lord Jehovah. Thou art my trust from my youth. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. And then down in verse 17, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Yea, even when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have declared thy strength unto the next generation, thy might to everyone that is to come. Thank you, Forrest. Wonderful. And uh, appreciate your heart, appreciate you being willing to share. You know, it was only a month or two ago that we were, we were hoping you would be able to do this because I had asked you several months ago if you would be able to do this. And, you know, at the time you said yes, but you had a, you had a valve replaced, yeah. heart valve replaced. and uh, Aortic valve. Aortic valve and yeah. uh, recovered from that nicely and were able to be here. So I'm thankful for that too. And I'm thankful for your wife and thankful for Carol and you just got a wonderful family and so glad that y'all are here. And, uh, you know, if you hadn't got a chance to meet and greet Forrest and his family, um, you're missing out. Please do that. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much. We want to offer an invitation as we close out tonight. And, you know, as you start next this this coming week, uh, we hope that you have a great week and hope that you will, you know, share the gospel and and uh, and be resurrection people. Uh, if we can help you tonight in some way, if you need the prayers of this church family, if if. Uh, 
you're ready to put on Christ in baptism or ready to study the Bible with somebody, we want to certainly do that with you as well. Uh, David's going to lead us in a song. Feel free uh, as we stand and sing to come forward if you need anything. <laughs>